Welcome to Hot Flashes and Cold Topics, a podcast for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cold Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Bridget. And I'm Colleen. And today we are so excited to have Sharon Glass on. And you probably know Sharon Glass as Christine Cagney on Cagney and Lacey, a really great show for women. She also uh, played in Queer as Folk. She played a mother of a gay son in Queer as Folk, which actually brought about a lot of support um, and a lot of healing between parents and their children that were coming out as gay. And she also has written a new book called Apparently There Were Complaints, which is hilarious. And it is coming out. Great title. Great title. I love it. It's coming up very soon. Wonderful stories. Um, lots of insight. Uh, lots of really interesting things uh, that have happened throughout her life. Right. And I just, I think you will find it. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's hilarious, but it also has some really tough points in there too, in the book, but we really, really enjoyed talking to her. I think she really is very proud of her Cagney and Lacey role, which she should be because she won two Emmys from it. And it was a phenomenal, you know, story of two strong women in the police force, which you did not see in the eighties anywhere else. She talks, you know, the book comes out December 7th and she's very honest in the book. She talks about her substance abuse. She talks about affairs. She talks about dating Steven Spielberg. She went on a date with Steven Spielberg. So all these stories that we had no idea about, but she also talks about, you know, starting Cagney and Lacey, what she thought about the character, how she and Tyne Daly really put the time in to create a chemistry that worked wonderfully, obviously, how the LGBTQIA community really supports her, not just in Queer as Folk, but also as um, Christine Cagney back in the day in the 80s, because the 80s, if you think about it, were 40 years ago. Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> but we didn't say that during the interview. We did not say that during Mm-mm. while we talked to her. But she's you and I funny. were, we were both there. Yeah, she is very funny. We were toddlers. Loved, we, were, yeah. we were just oh, learning we to work. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for thinking that. No, but but I, I love she called Colleen and I, and this is not the first time that's happened. When they see Colleen and I and our first names, they think we're Irish, Bridget and Colleen. That sounds so Irish. I mean, of she course said it our, does. our Irish friends, we were My like, Irish we're glasses Italian. were like, we're both <laughs> Italian. Our parents just like those names, you know, that's Apparently. just how we Well, that's, you yeah. know, honestly, I don't know about your family because it probably, I would think applied since you were number 11. I think my mom was running out of names at that point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like... My mom had already reused a few. We had two Marys and we didn't call either of them Mary. Mary Gretchen and Mary Margaret. We call them Gretchen and Margaret. So there you go. You know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think they were just they were out just of names. names. So we yeah. ended up with Irish names. But yeah. we also want to remind you guys that um we're still on our giveaways, 12 days of holiday giveaways. So we are probably on day nine by now. So I think we're up on our CBD products. Make sure that you check out our website, howflashescooltopics.com or follow us on Instagram because we have been giving away amazing prizes. We've had a lot of people enter, a lot of happy people are winning and you should be one of those people as well. And we're in the middle of Christmas shopping, holiday shopping. Have you checked out our gift guide? I listed all of Black Friday specials. They're now passed, but you know, they're going to be doing specials from now until Christmas. So make sure to go on our website. You will um, see a lot of great gifts on our 30 plus page gift guide as well. So I just had to make sure. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But if you are ready to listen to Sharon Glass and us have a really fun conversation about her life, it was a pleasure and we hope you guys enjoy it. Here you go. Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, everybody. We are so excited today because we have Sharon Glass on today. And I know that, yes, yay, many of you know her from Cagney and Lacey as Christine Cagney. And also she was on Queer as Folk, which is, she played Debbie, which is such an important show. But she also has a book coming out December 7th, which is a great book. It's apparently there were complaints, but I am not complaining about this book. (laughs) So welcome, Sharon Glass. 
Thank you very much. Thank you. You make the title sound so wonderful. I love the because it's very, it's very creative. It's, it is it's a good a, title, isn't it? I yeah, wrote really the is. title before I wrote the book. <laughs> I ask you that. It's kind of a, a title of a book. What made you decide to write a memoir now? Well, I wasn't so busy. And I, I got it. I went into, this is in the book, but I, I, it's a good story. It's very brief. Um, I went into CBS uh, for, to meet, I thought, on a new series. Because Byrne noticed my show that I was in uh, was about to end. And they knew it, so they called me in. They said, welcome home, Sharon. That's where Cagney Lacey was shot and many other things I've done. And so I was in this long meeting with them and, um, you know, telling stories, just trying to keep things alive. And um, after an hour, the head of CBS said, Sharon, um, we own Simon & Schuster. That's nice. Good. Um, They said, we think you have a book in you. I said, I'm not really a writer. They said, no, but you're a storyteller. Okay, so I let a year go by. I was interested in the head of Showtime, the head of C, um, instead of Simon, the head of Simon and Schuster, contacted me, and I sort of blew it off because I'm an actress. That's what I wanted to be. And um, after a year went by, I wasn't so busy, and um, I went into New York, and I met him, and I'd written one chapter, and I read it to him. And he signed me. Wow. So that part is in the book. I try not to repeat stuff like that. But it's an interesting, your question, you know, what, what am I doing writing a book? Um, that That's what I'm doing writing a book. It is fascinating. It really is. I, I love, too, that um, you can read it. You know, it's a quick read. It's you read okay. the chapters and you, I don't want to put it down till I'm done with that section. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm go- Oh, okay. Now I have to know what's her next story in this book. So it's a really great, easy, quick read, but it's very fascinating. I just think the, the life you have had has been extremely fascinating. I used to write when I first started, my chapters were like two pages. So that's good. And, and I got a note, I think, from, from Simon Schuster saying, Sharon, I think we need to expand, you know, no more. And <laughs> so, was, was that uncomfortable for you to think about? I have to tell these kind of harder parts of my life to the world? No, I had total control over what I wrote. There are things that Simon Schuster pulled out that upset me, you know. My husband has that description about killing my babies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a quote from some other famous writer. Mm-hmm. But um, Simon Schuster occasionally killed my babies. And just said, Sharon, just the standard doesn't work. Nobody cares. I care. Um, so, you know, you, you, but they were very generous. I had help. I mean, I, my husband and my friend, Don, people read every yeah, and tell me, well, not Dawn, but my husband, and tell me everything I did wrong. <laughs> In a loving way, though. In a loving way. <laughs> he wrote a book himself called Cagney and Lacey and Me. Oh, wow. So he's not new to this arena. <clears throat> but I am, mm-hmm. and it took seven years. So. Wow. Now that we're at this part of it, even I'm innately shy. I mean, I've never played a shy person in my career, but um, now that it's done, you know, obviously you want it to be well-received. So far it has been. And um, and then this becomes the, the part where you want to be interesting in a, in a conversation, you know, and that has become my shyness. I'm playing myself now. Who's that? <laughs> Well, that's true, but I mean, you certainly don't seem shy in the book, so. No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to take it back kind of to the beginning. I think it's a great story with your grandfather being an attorney in the industry, but not wanting you in the industry. And you kind of started a little later. Can you talk about that part of your life? Well, I remember being surprised when I, I think I was told I was around 18 when I had verbally said to my grandfather, I'm sure I just graduated from high school. And he said, so what do you want to be? Um, what do you want to do? I think I want to be an actress. Stay out of it. It's a filthy business. Well, he became very famous. 
in that filthy business. And I didn't have the nerve to say, but that's where you made all your money. <laughs> How can you call it filthy? But in his position of being Catherine Hepburn's and Cecil B. DeMille's and, and Howard Hughes' attorney, I mean, he, he had the big ones. Um, I'm sure he saw side to show business as a lawyer. That is pretty filthy. You know, so I understand what he was saying, but he did help me in the end. I mean, no one ever helped me get a job in my town. I, I did it all on my own. Um, but I didn't know that he'd written the first contract between a studio and a player. Um, when actors belong to studios in the years, that was, I don't know. He looked at the contract, he burst out laughing. He said, that's my contract. <laughs> and, you know, it's many years and later. And sign it, and sign it, I think is what he said. Yeah, I said, <laughs> I, I said, well, I'm, I'm trying to avoid stuff that's in the book, but I wanted to, uh, I wanted to make more money. He, $200 a week as a secretary. I worked behind the camera in the industry. Um, and the, the studio was offering me $186 a week. <laughs> what? But I'd be paid every week whether I worked or not. I had a home and there was somebody who believed in me, the woman who signed me. Um, so anyway, I showed it to Grandpa. I said, oh, I thought actors made a lot of money. <laughs> he said, do you want to be an actor, Cher? I said, yes, Grandpa. He says, then sign it. You have to be coming from a position of power from which to negotiate or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I signed it, and my life was forever changed. I read a chapter in the book as an homage to those years um, that will never exist again. I'm the last contract player in the history of Hollywood. I was one. I was going to mention contracts because I, you mentioned Robert Wagner in the book as well. But I remember right. listening to something with Robert Wagner talking about when he was on contract, how fantastic it was that hey, I got to go work out. I was still being paid. Right. If a role came up, a role came up, and it wasn't in the era where they also gave you writing lessons. You know, oh. <laughs> it wasn't that era. Um, but if you got a show or a movie where you had to ride horses, they, you know take you to a class, but they didn't train you at all in those days, in the latter days. They just, they either got it or you ate. You were on house calls when they, uh, first, first time they offered you the role for Cagney and Lacey's. Am I correct? You're right. Yes. Okay. So, and, and you weren't too keen on Cagney and Lacey's. No, first, the first, first time they offered, no, I wasn't actually. The okay. first time they offered me Cagney and Lacey, um, I didn't like the script. I just played a cop and a pilot. Didn't sell. And I didn't want to be someone who's walking around packing a rod, you know. And I, I didn't want to do it. So I turned it down. It was a TV movie. It wasn't a series yet. Because as a contract player, I, they could loan me out to any studio they wanted. Charge them a horrendous amount, I'm sure. I'd still get my $186. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but for, for Cagney and then it went to series. They hired Loretta Switch to do things. Um, but then it went to series, and Loretta had to go back to MASH. And so Barney Rosenzweig approached me again. I had just been asked to do house calls. And, and besides, it being a series, I'd have to turn him down because, as I said, contract players at Universal were not allowed to do series unless it was a Universal show. So then they got Meg Foster to play the time. And that show didn't last. That, coupling did not last and um Meg's a wonderful actress I think it was, there was just a lack of chemistry between the two they were very similar um so then Barney offered this show to me again and I was about to say I'm sorry but I'm in house calls and he'd already been to New York to find out what was the new schedule and house calls had been canceled he said, bet me you're going to be in house calls. <laughs> Just cancel your ass. Just, oh, pardon me. Outside. <laughs> you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, I would say it's in the book. Anyway, yes, I, find I eventually got smart enough to accept the role. Barney's always said that actors are not always the best judges of material. 
And in my case, that was certainly true. And he was very dedicated. He wanted your, and when he first saw you, he, it was in Turner, Turnabout? Am I saying? No, when he, uh, it was in uh, Turnabout, right? Where I was playing the man trapped inside a woman's body. And uh, he looked at the film because his wife at the time was one of the um, story editors on Turnabout. So she went home and she told Barney, I just found Cagney. He said, really? He said, yeah, watch this. And he ran the film for him. And Barney said, nah. <laughs> so then, I don't know, a few weeks later, they went to a screening and I was in the room. You know, those big screenings they do in Hollywood. Um, I was in the room and he looked up and he turned to Barbara and he said, there's Cagney. I played Carol Lombard. And... Um, and Barbara said, that's Sharon Best, the one I was telling you about before. I said, oh, well, I was wrong. You were right. Yes, that's Cagney. So thank you, Carol Lombard. <laughs> yes. And I remember seeing that. That was the Search for Scarlet or I forgot. The Scarlet what, O'Hare Awards. Were the Scarlet O'Hare Awards. Canaan. Yeah, I remember when that was out on TV, I, I was watching that. And, when, you know, you're, you said I played Carol Lombard. I remember that scene very well, where she's oh, with okay. Clark Gable. Yes, that was really a great scene. She didn't want to do it. She didn't want to play Scarlet. Right. And right. she was right. She was totally wrong for it. <laughs> yeah. But every yeah. other actress in Hollywood wanted that part. Yeah. And, you know, Cagney and Lacey is such a great show for women. It's it Thank just you. yeah, it just brought so much power for women uh, it, with that show. And, you know, when I was reading your book, I didn't remember how they were. They canceled it. And then the letter writing campaign started. Barney started that. Oh, wow. Really? All the all the he called Tiny me saying, are you getting any mail? I said, yeah, we are. He said, would you mind if I send a driver? I'd like those letters. Sure. Um, he had every single person who wrote, he didn't handwrite, but he composed a letter and sent a letter to every single person in the United States who wrote, complaining, explaining that they do have power. And I believe he said, send it to, send it to your local local your, to your, your local TV station and the New York Times. Um, I'm mis I could be misquoting him. That's sort of my memory. And he said, because my belief is that CBS um, uh, always reads their newspapers. I mean, they don't read their newspapers. They don't read their fan mail, but they always read their newspapers. Well, this deluge came from every city in the United States. Bags and bags of it. Unopened by the by the New York Times, not opened by the local stations, but they just, fortunately, they just put it all in these bags and CBS was overwhelmed and they called Barney and said, we made a mistake. Which was kind of sweet because they canceled our contracts, they threw us out. Nothing, there was nothing to hold us to them anymore. So that was a very sweet negotiation. <laughs> so kind of worked in your benefit there on that mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Was it we actually we became the highest paid women in television. We failed to ask what the men were making, but anyway, still you were it was negotiating a, from a point of strength, like your grandfather said. Then you had the power. You know, you're right. <laughs> I never even thought of that. Thank you for that. Sure. Yeah, he was it's right. True. You had a yeah. you had a, the strength there. They had something that you had something. They had they something that they we had something they wanted. Exactly. Was and then we were canceled and then we got nominated for Emmys and we didn't exist anymore. <laughs> so like, anyway, how was, are we going to do that? <laughs> right. Well, Tyne Daly won the Emmy. Yeah, so that was all the other nominees. Yeah. yeah. But then you won. So there you go. <laughs> eventually, eventually. <laughs> While we were on the air, no other woman ever won the Emmy. It was either Tyne or me. Six years. That's amazing. Six years. No other woman ever won the Emmy was either Tyne or me. Wow. And it's not, I can't see it's because we were so brilliant. We had the material. You know, we had, it was the 80s. We had the material that they'd never seen before. They'd never seen two women in a series before. I mean, we weren't Lucy and Ethel. You know, it was, it, these were two serious women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, doing um, an important job. Yes. Right. Doing yes. an important job and, and, 
and building a relationship that was unusual. They were not best friends at all, but their lives depended on each other. Barney said in a fairer world, he said he could have written that thing in the post office because it's really about the two women, not, not what we do for a living. Making his cops obviously was tense and, and life-threatening and, you know, um, but they were never best friends, ever. If you remember the show, our social lives were totally different. Um, but their lives depend. So it's a very rare relationship and certainly very rare show to be on television. Especially working relationships between women. And I wonder... Oh, yeah. yeah. The, press, the press tried to say that we were uh, fought all the time like cats. And I, I, listen, I would tell you, sometimes it was all, you know, um, <laughs> never, never. Tyne Daly's the most generous actor I've ever I say that in the book, too. I don't say it enough times. And now we're really close. We talk on the phone every day. But when we were shooting, we never did. All we saw every day for, what, eight, how, how many hours? Um, 12, 16, 18 hours a day. It was the two of us, always in every scene. He'd want to go home to our children. And I'd want to go drink with somebody. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the only scenes we weren't, we, one of us was always on screen. There was never a scene. But if she was home with, with Harvey and the kids, happily, I was there. Um, and if I'm out drinking with my father or shooting pool or getting drunk with somebody, um, or alone, uh, she was never there. But always we were on camera, one of us. That's amazing. That's how Barney devised. Wow. That's, when you walked on the set having um, other women portray the character before, how was that for you? What was that experience? In that particular instance, I mean, you know, I replaced Lynn Redgrave in House Calls. I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm becoming sort of the Hollywood troubleshooter, and it wasn't a comfortable position. Um, I, I knew that the success of this show, at least not certainly more than time, but I was being brought in because if it didn't work, we were over. So it was a lot of on my shoulders. It had to work. With Tyne Daly and Sharon Bless, and it had to work with Cagney and Lacey. It had to. We had no show. So, need to say it was hard, hard high pressure on me. Um, but Tyne is, as I've said, the most generous actress. She just, and there were times when there was something I, I knew we had to build different qualities. Because I think that was the problem before. Um, and there were things I wanted to do that I would ask of time that not things she wanted to do, but highlight. Okay. And she always went with whatever I suggested, not because I was trying to make Cagney the star, but Cagney in her own mind is a star. In her personal mind. I asked time, do you mind if I enter first? With my guns drawn. Uh, because following her just diminished me, diminished Cagney, and that isn't who I was building. And she said, you know, this is a hard question for me. So I'm aware of what I'm asking. And she said, if it's that important to you, yes. So that's how these characters emerge. Cagney was reckless. But Cagney didn't have anybody to go home to. So what? Mary Beth had children. You know, so she was more cautious. She was just as great a cop, maybe better. Um, but asking her that question, that I knew it would change who we were. I just couldn't have Cagney be this, you know, okay, I'll follow you anywhere. There's no, there's no conflict. And, uh, and slowly these personalities came forward. And I really saw Mary Beth's character really become, becoming richer and fuller and better by letting Cagney be this jerk that she works with, you know? And, and the, the personalities started to be built. The second year of Cagney and Lacey, Barney brought in a writer just to write Cagney's dialogue. 
Because I think they weren't sure what do you do with her. We, I mean, we've tried twice already, and a woman was brought in just to write steps. And um, anyway, but I, it's 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 all on camera. It's all due time. Things generous as she was to let Kate shine. She's the one who won the four Emmys. So please, <laughs> you know, I want to. We hear from so many women in our community that they can't sleep or focus. They are quietly struggling with hot flashes, fatigue, or vaginal dryness, but they're afraid to take any estrogen-based products. We hear you and we get it. We really do. One of our podcast missions is to find actual options and solutions for menopause that work. That's why we are so excited to share Kendra. Kendra's line of estrogen-free products target and relieve the most disruptive menopausal symptoms. And when we say estrogen-free, we mean 0% estradiol or progesterone. No more reason to worry. Their line of daily supplements offers relief for hot flashes, brain fog, mood swings, and more. And their best-selling daily vaginal lotion offers support for your most intimate areas. Find all of Kendra's amazing products and community online at www.rkendra.com. Plus, use code COOLTOPICS20 for 20% off. One of the things I really appreciated when I was reading your book and, and doing the research is that just like you said, you were so thoughtful in what Cagney would do, and you you were powerful on and off camera. So you had opinions, you were willing to state them, and you didn't want to be a victim. You kept saying, whatever it is, I don't want Cagney to be a victim. That's right. Why did you feel that that was so necessary for the character? Because I don't think she'd allow it. I, I um, She just... She'd walk over anybody to get a job. I mean, she, I mean, she, I'm sure she hurt people's feelings. She didn't mean to, but I just never saw her as any, when she got, when she finally admitted what an alcoholic she was, um, I didn't take it as her being a victim. Um, I took it as that's who she is. She was born that way. But that alcoholism, although it became tragic, what the, the script they wrote me, the two-parter, was, I think, the best we ever did. Um, of course, it's conceited to me, ain't it? Um, I've talked to the Academy. They only gave me two. But they did give me my second one for, for the uh, two-parter, the drunk episode. I don't think that she ever consciously felt that bad things were going to happen to her. You know? She was good at her job. She was going to be the first female police commissioner. She drank a lot. Why? Maybe because. Maybe she was, there was a victim in there somewhere. She certainly became a victim to alcohol. Um, but she was a toughie. You know, she was the tough one. Some of it may be a lot of, maybe bull. You know, I mean, for maybe Cagney sometimes perform. But I think it was very important to her how she was perceived. Um, there was a scene, I don't think I put this in the book. I was just talking about it, but I didn't share this with you. Uh, there was a scene that was written where Mary Beth, we're all in, this, in, the, um, in the lieutenant's office. The lieutenant says something, some, something crude like, there's a, what's the difference between rape and romance? And Tyne's character, Mary Beth, says, well, Lieutenant, if you don't know the difference between rape and romance, rape and romance you've got a problem. And Mary Beth, Mary Beth was always the good one. She never sass in this issue. You know, she's always, she, she'd always, her, she was so wonderful. When she's working at her desk, she has her sleeves rolled up. Whenever she's called to the lieutenant's office, she always... It's a, it's a characteristic she built for herself. She'd always roll down the sleeves, make sure her hair looked nice. It's just who she was, you know, Cagney. Um, and anyway, she said, if you don't know the difference in rape and romance, you're going to pop. She leaves, she walks out of the office, and they're all working in with all the guys. And I didn't have a line. And I didn't say anything. And I knew Cagney must have some remark. So they called Barney Rosenzweig in, you know, producer with his 
watch, saying what seems to be the problem. I said, I need a line here for Cagney. They t- we tend to just say something that offended Mary Beth and would offend all women. And this is what this show's about. I'm standing here, you know. And he said, and you're not going to get a line. I said, what are you talking about? This is the second year. They were still trying to figure out who this character was. You're not going to get a line because that's who Cagney is. She's not going to blow off the lieutenant, all the guys. She wants to be one of them. So she stayed quiet against her heart. I said, but I, I do this against Tom, against um, Lacey. Arnie said, that's right. And that's who she is. She wants to be one of the guys. No, you're not getting a lot. A really terrific, terrific woman. She had problems. She had dreams, but they're always for her. It's, a it's so, character. Yeah. Best it's, character it, ever done on television, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm serious. And you and you create a backstory. It sounds like you and Tyne created a backstory for your characters as well. Like you had, you're like, well, she's Christine's an Irish descent. She's they built those into the script. We never talked about it. Oh, you did. No. Okay, no, we Tyne and I never talked about it. It was so built in the script to Katie, which was an Irish kid with an Irish cop father, and they finally did an episode about her mother, who nobody ever talked about. She lived with her father. And they did a very touching... Um, sorry, it must be repeating. I'm so proud of this show. Now I'm being given an opportunity to say it was really swell. It changed the history of television forever. Um, but anyway, we found out who her mother was, and <clears throat> we did one scene in Hancock Park, which is very Tony, very high in area of Los Angeles, we drive up to a house where she tells Lacey this is where she was born and raised until she left, like 13 or something. Um, and it was a very palatial home. And Cagney had a trust fund. I mean, she dressed well. There was a show, something about her mother dying. So occasionally they would, they would sneak in things about the other half of her. I mean, she had this Irish cop who everybody knew was a father. But there was also a mother. And, and Katie lived in a great loft. I mean, she clearly had some dough. She never talked about it, never threw it around, never wore jewelry. And it wasn't like that, but she did have advantages. But part of coming out of that section of her life was pain. <laughs> anyway. But the characters um, were so ahead of time for that. Oh, oh Even yes. it being the 80s, it just, they were complex women that you hadn't seen before on television. Right. First um, time. Um, we'd get excited when we get some of the scripts. Some of the scripts were so daring that there were certain affiliate stations that refused to air them. Really? Yeah. I think the one had on abortion, there were maybe four or five that affiliate stations refused to air. So they were just too daring. But the rest of the United States, you know, obviously saw them. And, and it changed the history of television for women. We weren't playing the secretary. Not that there's anything wrong with, you know what I'm saying. Right. We, were given, we were given two mighty, mighty roles. Which just had never happened. And very seldom have I ever seen it do that kind of show. But I think it was, it's, it was so great. I was um, in the eighties. I graduated high school in the mid eighties, right. you know, and I think it was great to have something there for Colleen, you and I are about the same age and yes, have something there for people our age to say, there are options for you. If you're a young girl, like you said, being a secretary is not bad. It's not. No, of it's course, not. I was a secretary. Yeah. I worked yeah. on the camera say, for many, right. many years. Yeah. Being a nurse. Cool job. It's yeah, these your typical roles that women had on TV, you didn't see that as often. And then you have two women, two female police officers in, you know, on TV TV. And for someone like Colleen and I, other girls that are women that were our age, you know, in the mid-80s, that was like, okay, look at that. This happens. And and you know, I know it's a TV show, but it, it representation, like everybody says, it's important. And I think it was important to have something Thank you. there. 
I think yes. politically it was very important. It was very important. Um, I have had many, many young women tell me over the years, I joined the police force because of you. I want to go, are you crazy? You can get killed. <laughs> this is a TV show. Um, but just recently I met one who said, I just, I finished, remember, I don't know if you remember, Mary Beth quit, wanted to quit after 20. She just wanted to put her in her 20, get her benefits and go home and be a mom. Okay, you couldn't relate to that country. She'd be in it for the rest of her life. But this woman told me, I just finished my 20. I'm retired now. I said, God bless you. Because... You could have gotten killed. You know, this show, because the characters were, I think, romantic. I think Haggy and Lisa are very romantic characters. And, um, but that wasn't a romantic job, you know? Right, yeah. Just, just, we weren't written as romantic characters at all. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But just the spirit of each of them individually was just so, we gave such permission Two women out there had to be a cop just to be a friend, follow your dreams, don't be afraid. When we were shooting it, we had no idea what the show would become. We had no idea the impact we were having on women and the world. We're, we're a bigger hit in, in uh, Great Britain than we are in our own country. Wow. Um, uh, Prime Suspect, I believe, is. And they did, the, the author of it told me, she said, I did it as homage to Cagney and Lacey. It just, just allowed people to dream. I want to be like that. Whatever that is, you know, I wouldn't say that Cagney is a great role model, <laughs> but, but people seem to love her, you know, all her flaws. And it was a Mary Beth too, of course. Yeah. But it was unusual to see a woman who was not wanting to get married, even though later they did have her get married, not wanting to get married, not wanting to have children. <laughs> you were not thrilled to come back and then marry you off. I was furious. Mm-hmm. I was so, furious. I thought it was probably the worst mistake Barney Rosenzweig ever made. I said, "Are you crazy?" I was so angry. I just thought this is drastic. I said, "What is she? Is she on the booze again?" she on something? How has she changed? And I was so fighting so hard. He said, I didn't say she'd stay married. So how long do I have to do this? He said, well, you'll see. Anyway, she didn't make it. (laughs) The marriage didn't make it. And um, it was so wrong for her. I don't know marriage is wrong. It just, she was not, she wasn't good material for being with one man and committing to somebody else. I mean, she was totally committed to herself. <laughs> I make you sound like a terrible person. She wasn't. She was <laughs> no. Fabulous. She was complicated. She was complicated. Yeah. complicated. Yes, she was. Yes. yes. Which is not a bad thing. No. <laughs> and eventually, uh, Barney uh, agreed to start uh, dealing with the obvious problems. Yeah, she was a drinker. Mm-hmm. She was the adult child of an alcoholic. It's Charlie Cagney's <laughs> raging alcohol. A lot of our scenes together were out of pain because he wouldn't stop. She didn't know she was an alcoholic. Uh, Barney finally brought it up. He said, you said you never wanted to be a victim. You want to you start investigating this disease she obviously has? And I said, well, I was told by this interviewer that I'm Doing this, and I'm doing that, and doing that, and doing that, and that's that, that, that's that's all the signs of an adult child of an alcoholic. So I go to Barney and I said, "I'm playing all these signs of an adult alcoholic." He said, "Honey, you're, I didn't write it. You're the one who's playing it. You're bringing the quality to her." And he said, "Do you want to investigate it? You want to put her in that kind of pain?" I said, "Sure." So anyway, two scripts are written at Chuparter and brought me into his office, handed it to me. I said, um, he said, no one else has seen it. Nobody. Just you. And go home and read it and tell me what you think. The next morning I came to his office. And I said, it's brilliant. Are you going to get to play it? <laughs> I, I thought it was way over my head. There he wasn't. Um, and uh, it was, it was <laughs> I thought it was a beautiful two-parter. And it changed a lot of women writing in. And men, too, saying... 
I, I want my child to see this because I know she's starting to drink. Or people write in saying, I want my dad, my mom to watch this episode because I'm afraid that, you know, my dad's going to die like Charlie. And it's so interesting now in my dotage to realize the power that she has had and still has. And what an honor that I got to play her. And then I got to end up being best friends to Ty Daly, whom I talk to every single day. Your That's friendship wonderful. has lasted this long is a wonderful... It's deepened. We weren't this close when we were shooting together because we had our lives. We're totally making these characters. See you tomorrow. Yeah, right. <laughs> you needed that break at that point. <laughs> well, those long days on set, and, you know, she had children at home, and um, long days on set, I'm sure you want to just get out of there. <laughs> you, know, you need a break. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you know you're you're acting in this complicated show, but your life offset is getting complicated as well. You're in a relationship with Barney, and the media is starting to get a hold of that, and you're going into rehab a little bit. And well, and Cagney Lacey ends, and I'm still here. (laughs) That's what I was to say. What was it like when that all kind of came at you at once? Um, I remember it like it was yesterday, but I can't. And I and I remember. Feeling, I can't recall feeling it again. Sometimes, those times it's just so painful that you, uh, and, and I turned out all right, you know, so, I, and I'm here. Like, and you're happy. It was the wonderful actress. <laughs> I don't, who said that? Broadway, <laughs> Elaine Stritch. Barney uh, produced another series for me called The, Tri- called the Trials of Rosie O'Neill. And in one episode, I have to play Rosie as another character um, on a bar singing, like a bar singer. And the opening song was, and I'm here. I've been good times, bad times. You know that one? I've been <laughs> on, I'm here. Um, and that's sort of how I feel. I've been through a lot. My life is, has always been great, even the bad times. Um, I'm just very blessed. Uh, and I'm a dreamer. You know, I have these dreams I still dream. I have another series. In. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen. Oh, we believe um, that. I, oh, I no think it will happen. Doubt. Yeah, I have no doubt. No, what you were, you. So it, you have been in more series on TV, except for Betty White, right? Is she the other actress? Right. Yes. Uh, well, Betty's been in 10. <laughs> 10. But right. you've been in this more is, series. I, I learned this, honest. I'm not that conceited. I don't look up facts like that. <laughs> um, I gave an interview a couple of weeks ago, and this man had really done research on my on my competition and stuff you know and uh he listed all the actresses there are the two other actresses in my category who had done one um and forgive me i can't remember their names because one was very famous one i did not know anyway there were two other women who had done nine and forgive me i don't remember the other um but betty white is the only one who's done 10 i mean 10 that were successful i've done nine hits not you know dredge i've got I know one more in. It's really amazing all the people that you include in the book and the stories right, behind the great stories. Stories and um, thank you. I've really the character of Debbie from Queer as Folk. I just feel that's another. You've you've really had some important characters that just it's almost changed some people's lives. Um, especially, I, I went after that. You went, I after, went after, yes. after that. I've never done that before, um, but I went after that one and. I got it. I just knew there was something very special about her. And the show itself was shocking. I mean, the, the, the nudity and the sex on camera. Not, not, not to be sensational. It's just part of their lives. You know? um, when I went on the interview, they, uh, show, showtime, they, I was in a play in Chicago. The script was in, you know, offered, not offered. I was asked to read it. <coughs> Um, and I flew in, uh, I flew into uh, Chicago. They flew me in just to meet the producers. And I said, are you going to shoot what I read? You know, so many times pilots are written and they're sensational and they get the backing for it. That isn't what they shoot. You know, that's the money they got on, on the page. So I asked the producer, I said, are you going to shoot this? What I read? He said, every scene. I said, then send me in, coach. 
because I want to be a part of this one. They never let me on the set when the sex scenes are happening. So I said, but that's my son. I said, go to your room, Sharon. (laughs) (laughs) But we all became very, very close. But it was just so... Yeah, the mom really shouldn't be on the set during the set. During that, but I... I, Sharon wanted to be on the set. (laughs) Sharon did, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, it was so important because at that... And it still is ongoing, but I feel like it's gotten better. But so many people don't want it to come out. And they were going to lose, they ran the risk of losing their families. Their families wouldn't accept them. And I, I feel like Debbie's character was just someone that, that just showed, I'm a mom, I have a child that's gay, and I right. love my child. It's and, safe. Yes. And, because the alternative, I don't think being gay is easy. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's anything anybody wished for, you know? Oh boy, I want to be gay. You're not born, I mean, wanting that wish. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it, you finally do realize this is who I am. Um, yeah, in, in before Cadian, before Aquarius, uh, uh, yeah, it was, there were suicides. Oh, mm-hmm. and I had a boy write me once saying, you know, I want to thank you so much for this portrayal of the mom. And he said, it's given me strength and courage to go out there. And he said, my best friend is gay, but he didn't make it. He committed suicide because he didn't have your show. We get letters like, because we didn't have your show. Show us things, okay? The LGBTQ community was always pretty supportive of your characters. I think somewhere you yes, said that Cagney, a lot of people thought she was a lesbian. and right. Because of just be, what be okay with me, you know, <laughs> be more interested. But in those days, they didn't write characters. But do you think because she was so complex and powerful and male, like strength, her strength in a male dominated biz, business? Are you talking career? about Cagney? Yes. yes. Cagney. Do you think that's why I, they thought it that she was a lesbian? I don't know. She dressed, uh, that isn't how they started Cagney out. They had Sarah Fawcett hairdo and, <laughs> and, and wearing skirts and, you know, and, and anyway, I talk about that in the book, <laughs> um, what I did to change that image. And so maybe it was the way she dressed. Maybe it's because she was tough and hiding. I think Cagney was hid. I, I don't know what it was about her, but I know that was, I used to have press when they interviewed me said, of course you're gay. Said, or in fact, would they say gay? That's right. Or you're gay. I said, actually, I'm not. I'm sometimes festive, but <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. And they, they never believe it. I didn't care. Thank you. It's a compliment. I'm glad you know, they find that strong energy. We're all, we all come in with our stuff. What do you look, you say you have one more in you. What would you be looking for for that final kind of role that would be perfect for you? Well, I don't know. There's such wonderful things on television. Really good I just want them to admit this is still TV. You know, people get snobby, but well, you're on television. Well, now people in motion pictures can't get arrested. They're flying to television. That's true. Um, it's a great, powerful medium. Yes, I do have an idea, but I'm not going to tell I hope I get to play it. And then we'll have to have <laughs> you back on to talk about that too. Yeah. Uh, I, I would be honored. This has been so much fun. You guys oh. are so skilled. You're very skilled and you make me very comfortable. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you so thank much. You. We appreciate that. Yes. And we appreciate that Barney set up the camera and did the yes. lighting and I know. Yes. <laughs> He's a good man. He's a yes. good one. <laughs> yes. And we appreciate that we were able to read uh, the book. And yes. we're so excited about the release of it. December 17th you know, is Pearl Harbor Day. And I'm not yeah. letting that bother me. Um, yeah. <laughs> because there is energy in the air, and this is going to be all good energy. Yeah. And also, December 7th is when Barney asked me to marry him. Oh. Oh, that's I, mean, I don't know if that's good or bad. You'll have to no, read the book. Read the book. Oh, you'll, read a, you'll read about that in the book. That's right. Happy, yeah. So it's good. There you go. It's good. Yeah. And I love I've been it. blessed all my life, really. Mm-hmm. And you, great- you know, you know, I mean, there's tragedy in everybody's life. I'm a survivor. The thought of not making it just... I don't understand. Story and of your life. It's just a great memoir. It's it's like <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited. 
It's like you're walking no, along writer. with you. Yes. <laughs> you can and write the you. next, then you can write the next one that you're in. I don't know if I can do it. There's, there are boxes in storage with enough material for two or three. Three days. Oh, but I, wow. I, I, it's, I took me seven years, guys. Oh, you know? I, I, but I can believe it. I mean, there's so much more I could tell. But, you know, they only gave me 330 pages. <laughs> but I was first criticized that my chapters were too short because I write just about me and someone else. You know, it's, I don't make it an epic journey. Um, each, each story is personal, and I was making them very short. And that was the first time I got a complaint. <laughs> I mean, she just figured we may need a little more than a critique, not a complaint, just a critique. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. A little more description. That's and the stories in there. I mean, the story of the way you were proposed to, and and just all that stuff. They're great. People are gonna oh. love the stories. <laughs> yes. yes, that story. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> She's looking right at Barney, like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the wedding. The wedding. Yes. Yes. I you know. Don't have to read that. Total yes. But we don't oh, want to well. share too much because yeah. the book is is coming great. Out you need to read 7th. it yourselves. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank, Thank you. you very Thank much. Thank you for wanting time. to interview me or agreeing to interview me. Or we the minute it. we saw that you were coming out with a memoir, we were like, okay, here we go. We want her on the show. So. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for being Colleen so and Bridget, my Irish comrades. <laughs> yes. and Sharon. Sharon's an Irish name, too. That's true. There you yes. go. <laughs> That's why we get along so well. Yet That's My right. name is Rosenblum, so got to figure that out. Rosenswag. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. Well, have a wonderful day, and thank you so much. Thank for you your so time. much. Thank you very much. You made this so easy. I was oh, nervous great. at first, but oh, please don't be. Oh, I'm not don't now. Be. I want yes. to keep going. Yes. Hey, you know what? Time. Anytime you want to come back, anytime. We are thrilled. To yes, talk to you. yes. I used to talk about myself. Yeah. Oh boy! Anytime. <laughs> thank you, guys. Well, we told you you were going to enjoy that conversation, and we know that you did. Sharon, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. We wish you the best of luck on the launch of your book. We know it's going to be a big success because it's a well-written book. And apparently you have several other ones in a box somewhere that you are ready to write again. And even though this took you seven years, we hope you have another book in you just to share with the world. And also you told us that you have another uh, show. So we're looking forward to that. Keep us posted. Yes. Make sure you guys are following us on all forms of social media, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Yes, we said TikTok, Pinterest, <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, la, 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 la. You know the, all those things. Make sure you are following us for the 12 days of giveaways because we're up to the last couple of days and you don't want to miss a chance to win any of these amazing prizes. And shop online with us because we have those items that you didn't even know existed yes. that you are going to want under your tree this year. With some codes, you know, for some of them too. So check Thanks. it out. Mm -hmm. So have a great day, guys. We will talk to you soon. Bye.